it went straight down the middle. So let's move on then to your major championship experience. And uh, uh, for our listeners, just quick summary, 54 starts for Dave Stockton, 38 cuts made. Uh, we'll kind of just take them in chronological order, I guess. The Masters, where Dave had 12 starts, 10 cuts made. Two top fives, four top tens, six top 25s, with your best finish being a T2 in 1974 with uh, Tom Weisskopf. That's the year that uh, Gary Player won. Yeah, that was that was one of my regrets. That was that was a major I should have won. And there are not many tournaments. Usually, you know, I didn't blow too many chances, but that was that was a pretty big mistake. I had a two shot lead going into the last day, and the, the in '74 the the uh, the the greens were were very they were very very slow, and it uh, it just to me. I intended to put more lead tape on my Ray Cook putter that night because I, I could I could tell I just couldn't quite get the ball to the hole and I never leave the putt short. And I'm on the fifth hole and of course we go into dark. We're at the press comp doing all the press stuff and everything. And I just completely forgot about it. And you'd think I could have remembered since I had about seven hours to wait the next day to tee off at two o'clock or whatever our tea time was, but I uh I'm on the fifth hole. And I'm playing. I realized, and I left one short. And I'm realizing, oh, geez, I forgot to put the lead tape on the putter. And I remember three putting nine, which I made 19 putts for the front side. I hit every fairway, every green, and I had 19 putts, which I don't ever do. And player went from one up to one, from one down to one up on me. And we stayed that way. Uh, and he put it in the woods to the right of 13, way back from where Mickelson hit a six iron on the green. And I've pulled it, and I'm down there 180 yards, which for me is a four iron. Well, these kids today would be hitting eight iron or you know right. something else, right? But I mean, I was the farthest I've ever been off the tee. The last round, I killed it, and I see player pull out this wood, and I'm going, he's got to be 240 to the front edge. There is no way he can carry this water. I said, we're going to see this is here we go, and he pulls it, and it bounces short of the creek bounces on the bridge to the left, and goes in the bunker. And I'm still, my mind's going, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, he just that was just unbelievable. So he he puts it, you know, I put it on about 15 foot with a four iron, just above it. it doesn't, it's slow enough, it didn't come down that hill. It's above the hole. He hits his trap shot just inside me, and I leave the putt two inches short for eagle. And he holds it. And we stayed that way until he knocked it stiff on 17. And uh, so now I'm now I'm I'm two down, and I I put my second shot in the right bunker where Arnold lost to player by blading it over the green, whatever year it was ahead of it, and uh, yeah. yeah, and player puts it on the back of the green, and I'm going okay, let's see when I hold this, let's see if he can two putt from back there, <laughs> and I I one eighty'd it circled i mean it just came right around the hole out of the trap so i tap it in and he two oh. putts and i lose by two but you know i've given him crap over the years about why he pulled the wood out and he just thinks that was the greatest call he ever made and i'm thinking i just don't get it <laughs> no so that that was one that that one that comes back to to haunt me i mean the other one the other majors uh i had a terrible time in the u.s open because i tended to be for a short hitter and crooked i bizarre that i'm aggressive but the U.S. Opens didn't fit me, and the only one that I played any good in that I recall was playing at Cherry Hills in Denver in 78, and it was 
you know, I, I came down to 18 in the sloping fairway there at 18, and I my ball landed in the fairway and kicked right into the rough. And it ended up mm-hmm. bogeying, bogeying uh, 18 to tie Sam Sneed for, Sam J.C. Sneed for second. But those are my mm. two two runner up finishes in those majors, and I just you know I it's just it's great to have the the honor of finish second. You got a silver medal and stuff, but it you know that did that didn't hurt nearly as bad as Augusta. It, it no. you know because Augusta I wanted to always go back to, you know it really I mean I I really respected the place and it was just it's a nerve wracking week, but it's it's also I think the easiest major to play in because there. You're always playing the same golf course, and you know what to expect and where to go, and you know that sort of thing. The U.S. Open and the PGA's it was always hard to win on one course and then turn around and go to another course. That you, you know, like my first time when I won the at Southern Hills in Tulsa. Uh, I mean, I defended at West Palm Beach. I mean, it was six months later. I mean, it didn't make yeah. Yeah. you know it, yeah. it's hard. Just anybody that can double up in the majors is magnificent. Yep. Well, that U.S. Open at Cherry Hills, uh, where you lost by one bogey in the last but uh as i recall andy north who won that tournament he had to make a pretty good up and down bogey from the greenside bunker to uh to, to win it yeah he did and he backed off the putt a couple of times which i was kind of rooting for him i, I truthfully because i liked andy i mean and that's a he's got a strange career too to win three times on tour and two of them be u.s opens yeah isn't that something yeah it really is all right, let's talk about the Open Championship. Then uh, we alluded to it a couple times, and uh, I think you gave us the reason why you only played in it a couple of times, family and travel and so forth. Did you? Was there a uh, an exemption or an obligation you felt to play in it, having won the PGA in 1970, to, to, to go over there in 71, 72 and play? Yeah, because now, I mean, I, I don't know about Bruce. I never thought about the majors. I tra- treated every term as a major. You know, I, I wasn't in the mindset that Palmer and Nicholas had. And so, yeah, I, I won it. I won in 70 at Southern Hills, as I alluded to. And then all of a sudden I go to, you know, I go to Burkdale in, in 71 and I'm by myself. And I mean, I won't get into the housing and where we're staying and, uh, <laughs> and the food. Yeah, the food. I mean, if you like something warm, it's, it's cold. If you like it cold, it's warm. I mean, it's just, it was, it was a, it was a tough, it was a tough week in the golf course. Was exceedingly tough. I remember the first hole, the one, the one, the the way I played it, I got on the first hole was the first day I hit a driver and a three wood to get on the first hole. And the next day I hit a driver and an eight iron. Yeah. Same hole. I mean, it just, I mean, it was unbelievable. There's no par fives to 15. I think it's the first par five on the golf course. That's right. I mean, you play in a million par threes and fours and usually you're so far over par. I mean, I, I finished 11th, I think there, but it was, uh, I was, you know it and i enjoyed muirfield too i enjoyed the experience once i got out and at muirfield i stayed at gray walls i had no no problem with my my accommodation yeah. to gray walls in fact the first person i saw at gray walls was was uh bobby Locke teeing off on the 10th hole i see this guy in a long sleeve white shirt and a, and a tie on and i'm going that was bobby Locke. you know yeah. i mean it was cool there's a lot a lot of history and it's fun to be a small part of it yeah and and Lee Trevino, of course, happened to win both of the Open Championships that you played in. Yep. Let's talk about the PGA Championship. The highlight: uh, twenty-four starts, seventeen cuts made, uh, two top fives. Of course, those were both wins. Five top twenty-five. So uh, 
Let's start with the win in 1970 at Southern Hills by two over Bob Murphy and Arnold Palmer. Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me, one in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Pam and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about my albatross? That was phenomenal. That was, uh, we, we come in there, and Kathy is now pregnant with Ronnie. Ronnie is going to be born 30 days on September 16th after I win on August 16th. Uh, so she can't walk on the golf course. But prior to it, dad had been, my dad was always trying to get me mentally prepared. And he had me reading this book, Psycho-Cybernetics, and which is like reading sandpaper. And I finally, <laughs> I, uh, I, I finally underlined it, yellow lined it so I could see it. I could read the stuff that interested me. I could read in about 20 minutes. And I took two things out of the book. One, you have to be aggressive if you're going to win. And the other thing is you have to pick, you have to picture ahead of time what you want to accomplish before you set out to do it. So here I am at Southern Hills and I'm out early on Monday morning playing my practice round, probably 7.15s, whatever. And I'm coming into 18 about 11 o'clock, maybe a little bit before. And I'm this big natural amphitheater and I'm picturing 20,000 people sitting there. Little do I know that seven days later, I'm going to be coming up the 18th hole with Arnold Palmer. And as it turns out, I've got a, I've got the four-shot lead going in the last round. And Arnold, Arnold and I are paired together. Well, this goes back to a story who, and there's a reason why this guy is my idol on tour, was that when I played my second, second year on tour, I played in the, in the L.A. Open at Rancho Park. And I was paired in the last round with Arnold Palmer and Don January. And I'd never met Arnold Palmer. I'd been on tour two years, but he tended to play the weekends, and he tended to play a lot of tournaments I didn't get in. (laughs) So I'd never met him. So my golf coach introduced me on the first tee to him. And Arnold, for whatever reason, they're pairing 1-3-5. I was seven shots behind Arnold. January is four shots behind Arnold. Arnold was playing really well. And so... Arnold tees off, rips it. And then they introduce January, PGA champion. He rips it. So now it's my turn. And as January is hitting, I'm looking at my feet, and my toes are going up and down. They're just shaking, right? But I'm heavy <laughs> enough that you can't see that I'm having trouble, right? And uh, so it, it everything was equal. So I I, te- I hit, just teed it up, no practice swing, ripped it down the middle, 30 yards short of them at least. And as I pick up the tee, this voice goes, son, son. And I stop, and it's January. And I said, yes, sir. He says, what do you see out there? I said, I see 40,000 people or 20,000 people, whatever. He says, no, 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 watch Arnold. Arnold's already checked everybody on the left side. Now he's going kind of angling toward the right side, but he's got us by 30 yards in about 10 seconds. And he says, Mr. January says, you know, he says, son, you really have a problem today that I don't think you're aware of. And I go, 
yes, sir. My, my ears get real big. And I go, what's that? And he says, uh, well, see, Arnold, Arnold's almost my ball. We're still 100 yards from it. He says, I know you like to play fast. I know you like to walk fast because you're going to hit the first shot every time because you can't drive it where we drive it. Not even close. <laughs> but, but we can't putt and chip like you, so it'll be an, it'll be a good match. <laughs> so sure enough, we're walking down, and, and Arnold goes to his ball, and now Jan- January goes, now see, he's his ball. Now watch, he's going to turn around and look at us like, what in the hell are these guys doing? And he does, sure enough, turn around. He says, I just want to explain to you that you got two options. One, you can walk his pace, at which point you're going to see me walking up your backside all day because this is how I walk. And Bruce, you know how he walks this Texas yeah. is kind of stress. Sauntering along. Sauntering along, right? So so he said, but on the other hand, he said, if you walk my pace, we'll really screw this sucker up. <laughs> I almost <laughs> fell over, right? <laughs> so 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 second hole, I, I make an X. There's no people on the right. I go left of the people, I go right to nothing. I come to my ball. January walks by me. He doesn't say a word, he just winks at me. And the third hole is a part three, and I don't know how to slow play that. I just went to one side and got on the green. Fourth hole, here's Kathy. And she's on the oh, just off the tee on four, and she says, Dave, 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 what in the heck are you doing? So I pulled her on the ropes, put my arm around her, and I explained what Mr. January said. She said, that makes perfect sense. Well, I'll fast forward to 18. I am five shots. I have no idea what I'm shooting. I'm five shots ahead of Arnold for the day. I'm five under. I haven't made a bogey. I'm five under. I'm, he's got me by two. He birdies 18. He wins the tournament. I finish fourth. I make $3,700. That's out of the $8,000 I'm going to make all year. I mean, but I made $3,700. We were so fired up. Now, we're at Tulsa. The reason I'm telling this story is I'm about ready to go out with Arnold. If he wins, he wins the Grand Slam. This is the only tournament. He just got nipped by Julius Boris two years earlier at Pecan Valley in San Antonio. Yeah. So now he's got a chance there against me. And the... the, uh, is one thing in, in February to be going side to side in the cool breeze off the ocean in, in L.A. versus 95% humidity and 95 degrees. and But I'm doing it. I'm going side to side. Arnold never beat me, ever. And I never did that to anybody else. It was just because January, and I, I look back on it and go, why did Mr. January have the consideration to, to not needle me like a lot of his you know, devil. Piers. Yeah. Piers did, right? Piers. He could, he, yeah. he, why he did that to me, I have no idea. But I, I remember three-putting five, and this guy in the gallery yelled, you got him now, Arnold, because Arnold's within three. And I went birdie two, eagle two, double bogey five on eight, a hard par three. And then I drove in the bunker on nine, threw a tree, and then knocked it a foot to birdie. So I go birdie, eagle, double bogey, birdie, and I've got a seven-shot lead with nine to go. And I hello. I came to 18. First time all day I outdrove Arnold. I was so pumped because I'd made about a 15-footer for par to have a three-shot lead going into 18. And I killed it. And I get it down there. And I, I followed a plan, which you go back to Colonial where I won, playing with Cootie. And my ball hit Cootie's ball on the fly on 18. And I'm hitting like a six-iron into 18. And I know I don't want to go to the Australian pond to the left. Right, no. I don't want to go near that. The if the Crampton Pond, the Crampton Pond. If I if I <laughs> hadn't if the oak tree hadn't have been left to the to the right of the right trap, I'd hit the clubhouse because I wasn't going anywhere near the water. <laughs> so, and I knew I said if you if you win by one or two, they don't care. And Arnold hit I don't know what he hit a five or five iron or something into the green, 
and I hit the most beautiful nine iron 20 yards short of the green and to the right. And Arnold just looked at me and gave me thumbs up because he knew he knew he was toast. Because I he, the last thing I want to do is embedded in that that bunker, face that, yeah. that steep bunker, which which Hubert Green did in '77 and almost cost him the open there. Yes, it did. So so at any rate, that's that's my. I know it's a long story, but January he just gave me information because I never knew anything about the pace of how I played would affect the outcome of a tournament. But in this case, it was unbelievable that he did that. Thank you, Bones. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. What a class guy. Well, I know it was a hot week out there that week. You were the only player under par that week. Yes, yeah. And Gatorade had just been invented. I was drinking Gatorade every three holes. They had these large cans of Gatorade. I never visited a restroom. I mean, you just sweat it right out of you. Yeah. You know? No, it was it it was unbelievable, and I you know because I needed I mean it was more important to me to win a major, and I'm always rooting for the underdogs because of that. I mean I know it's wonderful, and I and I wish Arnold could have gotten the Grand Slam because he certainly deserved it. Just like I'm rooting for McElroy now, you know that all he needs is the Masters, which should be the yeah. simplest one for him to win. But I just you know I, it, it was very important for me to obviously to get a major, and then of course you'll get to it. I mean seventy six. At Congressional, I mean, I I validated the fact that the PGA wasn't luck. I won another one, you know, yeah. although in a totally different way. And as it turns out, 1970 was uh, Arnie's really last uh, last chance to win that uh, fourth major. Mm-hmm. What did that 10-year exemption mean to you? How did that change your life? <laughs> well, if I had kept my mouth shut, it would have changed a lot of stuff. But I was one of the young bucks that I was really ticked off. We had some, we had some former champions, uh, primarily Jerry Barber, who wanted to keep playing. He'd won it. He won it for life, and he didn't care what he shot. He liked the advertisement or getting out there and getting in the public eye. And I just didn't think it was fair. And for three weeks before we played, we played at Southern Hills. We passed the deal where instead of it being a a lifetime exemption like Guyberger got, it's a 10-year exemption. And so I'm going, as I'm standing there accepting the trophy and all this, I'm going, God, if I'd just not pushed so hard, I would have had a lifetime. <laughs> so then six weeks, six years later, I went in 76, and I'm going, well, do I at least get 70 to 80 and then 80 to 90? No. <laughs> so I went, at, I went at twice and get a 16-year exemption, but... <laughs> it 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 changed everything to answer the question because I I plan my schedule around the corporate outing and so far it's kept me out of the Hall of Fame because I you know I know I could have played more tournaments but I like the fact that I could do corporate outings on a Monday and Tuesday and then spend time with my family. You'll get there though. Well, we'll see. Yes, you will. We're not in any rush. It, it's kind of strange because my I feel like my teaching career is better than my playing career, but it's it it, it is what it is. You know. Yeah. I, and that's not that's not the reason you're out there. I mean, I just we've had a great life, and you know these majors played a, a huge part in it for sure. And uh, no, it's it's it it is what it is. So the ten year exemption it did change my life, and I went immediately back to doing more corporate outings. And and to the World Golf Hall of Fame, I think if they are if they do consider your complete body of work in the game of golf. There's certainly a strong argument to be made for Dave Stockton, uh, given your career in the majors, both on the regular tour and the senior tour, the 
as we said earlier, your experience uh, in the Ryder Cup as a player, as a as a as a uh, uh, captain, a coach, captain, uh, yeah. and then and then what you've done even since uh, being active on the playing tours. Yep. No, it 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 it's been a it's been a marvelous career, obviously, and uh, I I do I've I've enjoyed the instructional part of it. I mean, there's certain people that I know, McElroy being one, Molinari being another, Annika Sorenstam being another. I mean, there's lots of people uh, that I know I affected. And uh, again, I'm looking back on the fact that I just think putting's simple as hell. And uh, I don't, you know, the, the, the biggest thing for the people to do is they've got to realize that it's not the same as the other part of the game. It's not yeah. just a shorter club and they got to kind of do the same mechanics. It's not the same. Maybe Justin Thomas needs to come see you now. It seems like he's striking the ball well and can't can't putt. Yeah, there's a lot of them that do that for sure. Well, let's finish up your career in the majors with uh, okay. your win at Congressional Country Club that was in 1976 by one over Raymond Floyd and Mr. January. Yes, yes, yep, yeah. That was now. That's I won Southern Hills. Nobody can say they got you know tapped out and should have won it because I did win that, but. Here's a whole different ball game. It's a congressional, we had the rain out on Sunday. I'd played the first five holes, and I was three over par of the first five holes. And they completely rained the round out. And I had an American Airlines outing the next day at, uh, you know, supposedly they're right, you know, within three or four miles of the congressional. And uh, we get out there on Monday, and I'm two under the same five holes. So I'm five shots better than I was. Oh, and, boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, now the last fairway I hit till 18 was number 11. Uh, I remember seeing Ronnie on 14 where he's down picking up some sticks. No, 13. He's down picking up some sticks, and I've driven it in the boondocks. And uh, I, I had nurse a one-shot lead. I put it in the rough on 17 to the right. I put it in the bunker, and the pin was just over a ridge in the a really a tough bunker shot, and I put it a foot. So now I got a one-shot lead, and I get to 18. I'm going, this is ridiculous. I mean, I got to get this in the fairway. So I take a three-wood. I had a three-wood off the tee because, you know, I had the advantage of being short and crooked. And I hit this three-wood right down the middle, and I get down there, and I got 220 to the hole. And I'm going, <laughs> well, there's water there. I'm not going to hit it. So now I got to lay up. So I lay up to like 60 yards, 55, 60 yards. And perfect. I'm 15 feet. It's about an inside right putt, the absolute easiest putt you could have, except for the situation you're in. And as my other competitors are putting out, I look at it, and like I alluded to, I mean, I was, from the time I put the coin down to the time I stroked the putt, it was 14 seconds. I mean, there was no time taken. And I knew, because I can hear the people running through the trees to get to the playoff. And they're gonna. And I told Mike Rose, my caddy, I said, you know, <laughs> No playoff. A lot of people aren't going to see the end of this tournament because it's about ready to happen right here. And, yeah. I mean, the ball was five feet from the hole, and I'd, I'd already turned to the people on the left side of the lake, and I had my arms raised. I knew exactly where the ball was going. Um, and there was no doubt. And I come off the green. Two thoughts. There's got to be 20 people ready to shoot themselves tonight because they should have won it because it shouldn't have been me. I didn't deserve to win it. But the other thought was, I bet you I get to be a Ryder Cup captain now. Because if you won one PGA, well, I'll ask you guys a question. There's only two guys. When I was the captain in 1991 at Kiowa, 
There have been only two people that had not won the PGA that had been a captain. Do you know who they are, Devil? No. Palmer. No, I must admit. Palmer and okay. Casper. I'll be done. Both of them deserved it, but that's how important it was to win the PGA. Yeah. And uh, like Dave Marr got it, he only won once, but Bobby Nichols didn't get it when he once. Guy Berger didn't get it when he once. So when I won the yeah. second time, I'm going, I bet you I got a great shot at becoming a yeah. Ryder Cup captain. So that was my thought. But it was it was total different than Southern Hills. I mean, I, you know, I walked away with it, and there's different ways to win tournaments. But uh, yeah. that was that was a grind. That did not fit my my golf game whatsoever. That is one heck of a track. Boy, it is. 53 putts over the over the last two rounds. Uh, so you were making some putts. Yeah. Well, you, if you miss every green, you're going to have a lot of little short putts. <laughs> <laughs> and did you make that outing on the on the Monday after No, after no, well, I, I did. I got my full pay. I draw I finished. <laughs> we finished. We did the press. And then I got a call from with Monday there that week. We'd gone to the White House. We had our nanny, uh, Vicki Bevins, from Iowa with us. Our kids, Kathy and I, went to the White House. We, we went every room in the White House. It was unbelievable on Monday. I had no thought where I told you where I was visualizing I was going to win the tournament at Southern Hills. I was, you know, I wasn't playing that good or anything. But it was just a, a real high to go to the White House. So we ended by we're, we're coming in, and all of a sudden we get this word, uh, Kathy's very proud of this. She's one of the first women to ever get in the men's locker room at Congressional because President Ford wanted to talk to both of us, not just me. So we got a great picture yeah. with the, the Watermaker Trophy between us, and we both have head, headsets on talking to the president. And we're thanking him for the all the courtesies he gave us on Monday. And, of course, he's thanking us again. It was the second time he'd called me. The first we had alluded to at Sammy Davis Hartford in 74. But... Uh, very good friend, and and uh, those are those special moments getting to meet cla- class people like that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the Ryder Cup then. First, as a player, you were on uh, a team in 1971, which was a win at Old Worse, and I think that year you were the youngest guy on the team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jay Bear was the captain. Uh, I was playing the best golf of my life. Uh, I'd won the PGA the previous year, and uh, I just. I remember both Littler and Miller Barber not playing well there. And I, you know, I, I was fired up. I didn't know who I was playing with. I would, you know, I don't even remember who I played practice rounds with. But I find out the night before that I get to go out in the first match with Nicholas, my my partner, and all in the shots, which I, you know, use that information that I learned there that you don't put all in the shot people with. You, you try to pair likabilities. So if they're both big hitters, fine. They're going to feel comfortable. I mean, it only <laughs> took it only took Jack five holes to turn to me. He says, this is all the farther you can hit it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you're the best go- golfer on this planet. You know, and it just it just was it just didn't jive. And I hadn't played any practice rounds with him. And I said, you just knock it close. I'll knock it in. Don't worry about it. But it's still the only match I lost. I've, I've in Ryder Cup. I'm three one and one, and and my one loss is with Nicholas and I. And the and Jay was smart enough. He sat me down and put J.C. Snead in. Then they did fine. And you know the highlight of remembering a class guy we talked about earlier was the opening ceremony. And I'm going to hit the ball in 20 minutes. Is they're raising the American flag, and I'm standing next to Billy and Shirley Casper. And they are bawling. I mean, bawling. Yeah. That golf ball, when I teed it up 20 minutes later, looked like the size of a marble. 
I mean, I'm just going, holy cow, this is a this is a serious big deal. Serious. It, it's nothing like, you know, what it is now, you know, when when Nicholas and Torino and, and Nicholas and Jacqueline got together and figured out this having Europe play instead of Great Britain, just Great Britain and Ireland. Uh, I was fortunate enough, both mine and then 77 Lytham and St. Anne's uh, was a, was an eye opener for me because I was not playing good there. Um, and, but paired, paired well, I played with McGee and he carried me along, although his pants looked like we did all in his, we did all in his shot. And I hit my first fairway on 18 and he'd been out there in their low roses at Lytham and St. Anne's. He looked like he'd been in the, he'd refereed a cat fight because he had threads hanging out <laughs> of both, both of his legs and he never missed a fairway until 17 and but we won we were two down with three holes to go and we won the final three holes to win and in the opening match and Finsterwald kind of turned to me and said you're not playing very good are you and I said no sir I'll do whatever you want but I am definitely not playing good <laughs> but I played with Hill and we won one more point so it was it was it was it was a fascinating time but it, it gave me a lot of information on how both these captains both Jay Bear and Dal Finsterwald how they treated us and what we did and how to kind of plan for what we did that kind of led up to what Kathy and I did at the Pete Dye course there at Kiowa. Yeah. So that was a team win. Uh, and it was the last year that it was uh, GB and I only. So, uh, uh, it was in 79 then that they, uh, uh, I think the Ryder cup really was transformed as they, uh, added the Europeans and, and, uh, I'm sure we'll tick through some of the famous names. Let me just set the stage for our listeners a little bit because, um, we're now going to talk about your captaincy at the Ocean Course at Kiowa in 1991, which was a dramatic win for the U.S. side. But to sort of set it up, you have to provide some context for the listeners in terms of the buildup. So, you know, you heard Dave just talk about the team win in 77. Now in 79, you've got the first European team. Uh, that builds to 83 when you had a real contest down at PGA National where the U.S. won by one. But I think that's really, it seems to me, where the rivalry started. Uh they go back to the Belfry, and actually the U.S. loses at the Belfry. Two years later, you got Jack Nicklaus as the captain at uh, at Muirfield, and to hear Lanny Watkins and some of these other guys that played for him they, that, that year, they, they can't forgive themselves for losing with Jack as their captain in 87, so that was a tough loss. Then you go to Belfry again in 89, and it's a tie, which means the Europe uh, team uh, retains the cup. So now, you know, uh, U.S. hasn't held the cup since 83, and now you're rolling to Kiowa Island uh, trying to reclaim the Ryder Cup for the first time since then. And why don't you take us through it, Dave? Well, it's exactly what you alluded to. I mean, it had been eight years. The, the, the It was an unbelievable event at, at uh, PGA National, uh, Lanny Watkins stuffing that shot. Um, and it to, to barely eke out a win. But the one that got my attention was when Nicholas lost on Muirfield on his home course. And we tend on the American side, we do some strange things. Uh, we tend to play golf courses that the Europeans know as well as we do. And, um, and yet, well, well, we're getting ready to play whistling straights now, but I was over at France and I mean, I thought this is a brand new course they're playing literally to find out they played the French open there for 30 years. So it's been an event on the European tour, and yet none of our guys have played it. I think four or five of the guys of the 12 had played a practice round on it. And so we come into Kiowa. First of all, when I accept the captaincy, I'm expecting to be at PGA, National, uh, at the PGA West here in California. 
an hour and a half from an hour and 20 minutes from my home. Uh, but then they get a TV contract, and this is going to become the first wall-to-wall televised Ryder Cup. But they realize the three-hour time change is going to kill them. So in step speed die, and, and literally I went there the January of 1991. There wasn't a blade of grass on that golf course, and I'm going, okay, how can they get this done? I mean, I don't, I'm not an agronomist. I don't know what they're doing, but I'm out there with Pete Dye and Kathy and I are riding around with him and I'm, I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking, oh my God, we don't know this place. The European don't know this place, but it sure looks like something over there that, you know, that I had that took a lot of effort to try to learn. And, <laughs> and basically what, what transpired is that I offered to Gallagher to have his guys come after Hilton Head, after the Masters. Not one person took us up and coming down there and looking at the golf course. And I never, I still have never understood that, why they didn't take that opportunity, because they didn't know it. Now, this year we're going to Whistling Straits, and they know it just as good as we know it. So there's no advantage to the, to the Americans. It's just a matter, you know, whether we play better than they do. But it is, it is must-see must TV. It is phenomenal, and we we get down there. I I I pick both my sons as my two assistant captains, and I I I you know I I I get to pick two two players to to join my team, uh, and I basically had six guys that I I kind of talked about on my team that I knew were going to be on my team. In fact, there were four of us that talked every morning. Every time we saw each other, we talked about Ryder Cup strategy, and that was Azinger. Payne Stewart, Lanny Watkins, and myself. And we would talk about strategies, and I don't think anybody was more prepared than the four of us. And it shows you the difficulty of, of winning a Ryder Cup because Lanny lost up in New York, you know, and he picked Curtis Strange. And my one spot that I'd given, because Curtis won two U.S. Opens in a row prior to Kiowa, and I told him, I said, you have a spot, don't worry about it. And long about March, I started talking to him. I said, I'm going to give you my... I told you I'm going to pick you. I'll pick you. Long about June, he said, I want to withdraw from that deal. I'm not playing well enough. Kind of like what I was talking to my captains when I give them the honest assessment. And so I ended up picking, and I told the guys I was talking to, uh, Hale would be another one that was in there on the on the mix that I knew was going to be on the team. And I wanted their opinion of which, which, because I'm not playing with them. Who do you guys think we should play with? But I will tell you, the one I am going to pick for sure is Floyd, which was the oldest pick at the time. But I wanted him to go with Couples because Couples didn't. Couples is a great player. We all knew how good he was. But I don't think he he realized how good he was. And I was just going to pair the two of them together. But the last pick was the interesting one because the three guys in consideration were Tom Kite, Tom Watson, and Chip Beck. And for various reasons, I ended up going with Beck, which put him with with Azinger, which unfortunately God decided that he's going to pair Azinger and Ballesteros just to see how they got along for two days every single friggin' match. And how they did it, I don't, I don't know, because it was, it, was, it was not good chemistry between those two and no love lost. And it was, but it was, it was just one of those things. And yeah. I, I I hated the fact that the PGA called it the war by the shore. Um, there's been some positive things come out of that that Ryder Cup. I wanted to have a poster. So when I do interviews, and I did, Kathy and I went all over the country for a year and a half, publicizing why we don't get paid. 
and we're doing it because we like to see the flag go up and we're representing our country. And it, it was interesting. They wouldn't. I said, just put the PGA Trophy in the sand dunes and the right in the stuff and run a shot of that and and let us you know so I could have it. Well, they never did it. I finally got my poster of my team at when I was assistant with Asia in two thousand eight um, at Valhalla, and I finally got my Ryder Cup poster then. 17 years after the fact it was ridiculous but yeah. at any rate it was it was it was a tough deal there was no sanctuary there to stay in like there is now we stayed in, in a four-story apartment buildings there close by about a mile mile and a half from the course but it was interesting to me the fact that i thought the teams were really i didn't know some of the europeans i didn't i didn't know who Faraday was i had no idea Little did I know he'd win his single match, you know, on the last day when we go into this thing tied. But uh, I started out by the only night that we didn't have a PGA event was on Tuesday night, and I invited the Europeans. I talked to Gallagher. I said, would you join us for a low country cookout? We'll have barbecue. We'll have some lobster and meat, whatever you want. But my only request is you can bring your family, any of your family and your friends, but I do not want a single PGA official. And I did the same to my team. And so we all got together. And we said it was a great time on Tuesday night because there wasn't any pomp and circumstance like there was. And the, the biggest the biggest thing that hurt us was driving to Charleston to get the for the dinner when our limos, three of our limos ran together and the rainstorm mm-hmm. getting there. And that's where Pate got hurt, who was obviously going to play with Paven every single day, my two Bruins. And... He, I put him out on Saturday when I shouldn't have put him out, but I wanted to give him an experience, and they lost two and one. But, I mean, it wouldn't have been tied going into Sunday. And so here, flash forward to Sunday, dead even, and it was really weird because I put my strength first and last, I fought, and I put, I put, I put Payne out and then Raymond out, and Kalkovecki is out third. And then, I, of course, I put... And I, I was going to put Lanny out, but Lanny said he was tired, so he wanted to go out in the end. So he was next to, and I put Hale last, and 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 Paven and prior to what you know Paven, and then then Watkins, and then and Hale, and then put the rest in the middle. And and Gallagher did the opposite; he put all his good players in the middle of the of the pack, and that's the way he went with it. So we had some some of our our weaker ones in the middle that weren't playing particularly well against their best best players. And I like that setup. And then all of a sudden, both both Hale, both uh, uh, Raymond Floyd and Payne get get beat. But as they're doing that, Kalkovecki comes into eight because I watched everybody go off one. And I went to eight, which is really hard when you're trying to watch. As it turned out, eleven matches, not twelve. But I'm on eight, and the guys all ignored the first two guys getting beaten. Says, "Look at Calc, because Calc won eight to go three up. He won nine to go four up. He won ten to go five up, and now he's going to lose. You know, he's going to lose all five advantage by the end. But in the end, and I, I told him truthfully, so I thanked him because I said you're the one that carried this team, and you did it. If you'd have made eighteen pars and you never were up or never down, we'd have lost." You would have still tied your match, but we would have lost. And it's true because he gave us the momentum. And the, and the hindsight for me was looking back, and nobody can say which player won the deal for us. Nobody won every single point or anything like that. But it was a team effort. And uh, it was certainly the greatest experience of my life. 
Um, and it just, it's, it, it was, it was, it was really special. Well, we, we want you to recount uh, just the final moments with the, 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 uh, Hale Irwin, uh, uh, Bernhard Longer match, which is quite famous, but, uh, Let's just talk about the two areas of, or maybe three areas really of controversy. One was the the Steve Pate deal. So uh, the Europeans, you know, they were they were claiming that there was some gamesmanship going on. That Pate played in the first day, so uh, uh, didn't play in the second day. Is that right, or was it? Maybe I've got it flipped. Maybe I've got no, it flipped. No, he played in the afternoon. He played in the afternoon of the Saturday matches. Yeah, that's gotcha, all. Gotcha. Yeah, and it that was BS because it just it was ridiculous. I mean. I, I told Bernard what was going on. I mean, I, I, I felt there was some audio stuff, people calling their rooms and everything that was unnecessary and all this stuff. But um, I, there was, we weren't trying to do anything. I mean, we, you could see the scar across Pate's belly is probably 14 inches where he hit the, the, in the limo, hit the, the bar area, the wood right across his kidneys. Yeah. I mean, he was in excruciating pain. And Raymond got hit too, but not as bad as Pate did. And it's like they think we're, you know, they look like there was something under every rock or something, and there was nothing. We we did everything we could, and so I did. I put him out in the afternoon. He didn't feel good Saturday morning, but Saturday afternoon it was like you were taken. I'm not thinking we're going to be even. I'm going. I'm going to give him a shot because he was playing better than anybody else on our on our team. He never had a round of Kiwa above 67. I mean, he was he yeah. was killing it. And so there was no animosity. In fact, that's I, I alluded the first story about our Tuesday cookout. To me, the end thing, which they don't do anymore, is they have a Sunday dinner, and you get together with the winning and losing team. Well, they had two buses there, one for us, one for them, and everybody's just filing on one bus, and we're like three people short. And Woosman says, that's okay, Stocky. He said, don't worry about it. Pavin's not that big. And he just picks Pavin up and carries him on the bus. <laughs> you know? And so so as far as the war by the shore, and I will hand it to him, they were very classy in defeat. I'm not sure I'd have been able to pull it off. As I'm sitting there, my head down, and Longer's making this last putt, I was really hoping that he wasn't going to miss it because it was going to be – it could have been a real – real problem for him down the road if he did and i couldn't believe it i mean i just i I was about four feet you know and when he missed it i felt i i i you know obviously we won i didn't and you alluded to the fact we hadn't had the cup back in eight years yeah we're gonna tie but they're gonna keep the cup but i'd already made peace with myself i did the best job i could you know and unfortunately he missed it for him and the europeans he went on to win the british hope the uh BMW the very next week in Germany, he bounced right back and won. I mean, yeah. what a class individual. And um, what a hell of a player. Well, just, yeah. I mean, he's, well, a thinker. I'm, again, I'm going to get back to the brains part of this thing. I mean, he, he's got the mind, he's got the physical ability, but he kept himself in such good shape. I'm, you know, you know, like on the senior tour. I mean, I made all my hay from 1991 to 1996, and then. I won the senior U.S. Open and I was gone again. I mean, I just went to do the thing, and he just he he just stuck with it. And I he he's one of those guys who we're glad we got a chance to meet and be around because he's he's Absolutely. unbelievable. Yeah, and it's and, you know the game's going to become a worldwide game for sure. Has there been a more pressure packed four footer in the history of golf than what he faced that day? 
I don't think I don't think Doug Sanders did too good at the British Open with his two footer. Yeah, the three footer, <laughs> two footer, or whatever in the heck it was. I mean, it you know it's hard when you're playing for your country and stuff. And and I'll care. I grant you, it was dark, and you you won't believe how dark that was. I mean, it was not an easy putt, and it's not obviously an easy hole. Uh, it just and then that's that's what I mean. That golf course played so hard. Ola Thobble's mother. She she walked thirty six holes a day. She had blisters all over her feet because none of the ground was solidified yet. I mean, you go there now, it's like you get off the fairway, and it's like hard pan. But boy, it yeah. was just you know, it just been created, you know. So no, it was it was. It's unbelievable to Pete Dye and his the course he designed, which is phenomenal. Uh, but it was it was it was a tough tough ass that week, and the wind came a different direction every day. So it was. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was a thrill. I mean, it was. I'm glad we got it back, and we haven't had it back that much since then. So let's have you, because we alluded to this. Let's have you talk a little bit about the Seve Azinger run in. This was an incident over what was in place then as the one as the as the one ball rule. Why don't you just take us through that briefly? To me, it's just one of those things. It was all our fault. They used, you know, they used the wrong ball. I mean, they're using two different balls, and they used it on the wrong back on the sixth or seventh hole. But you could only, if you called it on that hole and caught them on that hole, the Europeans would have had, they would have had won that particular hole. As it turned out, they won anyway, so it didn't make any difference. But it was it was just one of those things. And it, it was completely our fault. It wasn't Seve. Seve had the right to do what he was doing and complaining about it. So yeah. it was, it was, like I say, my frustration was the fact that they, the first three matches, every time I, you know, because you don't, you don't know who they're putting up against your names that you're putting on the board. And I don't know. They just those two got to have fun together for two for three rounds. <laughs> well, it was a it was certainly a Ryder Cup for the ages. And with the time we've got left, let's just move on quickly and talk a little bit about your senior PGA Tour experience. Uh, of course, you joined the senior tour in 1992. Had 14 wins, including three majors. And so, uh, in addition, you were Rookie of the Year. On the senior tour, ninety-two player of the year in ninety-three. You led the money list in uh, both nineteen ninety-three and nineteen ninety-four. I think what's most impressive to me is you finishing in the top fifty for thirteen consecutive seasons. I don't know if there's many people that have done that. Well, we know for one thing, longer has. I guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> Probably for sixteen or seventeen now as he's going. But yeah, it was an interesting time. Um, I can remember that. I finished the Ryder Cup in September. I turned on November 2nd. My only tournament in 91 was at Cap Kanapali. And uh, and we get over there to Hawaii, and I play three rounds, and I finish, and I, I finished 12th, I think. And I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, God, I, I feel like a prize fighter that's been in a ring, and I fought, but the other guy didn't show up. I mean, I got to ride a cart. I had, I had, only play three rounds. I'm just, I mean, I'm going, this is, this is unbelievable. <laughs> and the next year, the next year, I I remember, because I, you know, part of when you play the tour, you make the cut, you get a, we, at that point, we finally started getting some money for our retirement, right? Well, on the senior right. tour, you had to make the top 48. Well, and then after 12, if you, if you did it 12 times, then it doubled or did something. All I know is I played 17 straight weeks to end that. And the last week for me was playing, was playing Conopoly 
on the 16th week and then playing Kapalua the next week against the kids where I had to walk. And I mean, I, I'm just taking weeks off and I'm going, I'm, I'm not taking a week off. I'm playing. I don't hit any practice balls. I just go out and play. And I was, I was in the top 10. I forget the top 48. I mean, that wasn't even a question. In fact, I was fourth going at Kapalua, my 17th week in a row. I was fourth and finished 11th, I think, playing with Davis Love and uh, on the regular tour. But to me, it was like the ultimate gold mine because, I mean, I just, I mean, my game, like I said, way at the start of this, Kathy got me on this stretching program and my back had never felt better. And I could not get outside the top 10. I mean, you forget it. I mean, I was just, I was right there in my mind almost every single, every single Wait. time. And uh, I, I I had more fun. I loved to needle Jack. I said, God, thank God you built that easy course up there in Michigan, TPC of Michigan in Dearborn. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I won it twice and, you know, this sort of thing. Although I won it once. Second time I won it. The first time that's when JC made a slight mistake and doubled the last hole and let me win. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm two shots behind. I'm two shots behind going to 18. I don't even have to have a playoff because he, I made it by birdie and he made a six. So I, I ended up mm. winning there. But uh, the the U.S. Open in Canterbury was special, beating Irwin. Uh, and again, it that, that's to me as she started looking at all these things. I I like the courses that I've that I've won on. To me, that's that's what made my career from Colonial to Congressional to Southern Hills, to, to Canterbury, to a couple of Firestones with Guy Berger down at CBS Golf Classics. Uh, a lot of really good golf courses, and that, that's that been the fun part of it. The, the bottom line that you have here, which you, I'm sure you'll get to, is that my Sterling playoff record <laughs> is not very good. Well, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, except... You know, the other guy, I mean, between, I I don't even know what happened. I mean, I lost all sorts of them. And the one that really hurt, and I still can't figure out, is David Graham beat me at Key Biscayne because I played right behind him on Saturday, and he hit it straight into Key Biscayne on off 18, which is all water down the right. And here right. I get in the playoff with him, and we go 10 holes. I mean, I had, Yeah, 10 holes. 10 holes. I had, to, I had to chip in on one hole. Just at like the sixth hole or seventh time, and he's out hitting me by fifty yards. He's hitting, he's hitting <laughs> eight irons, nine irons, and I'm, I'm out there. I'm hitting five irons and six irons and whatever, and I'm just patiently waiting for him to hit one in that pond. The day, if he'd done it the day before, at least he could have hooked one. But he never, he never, whatever he did, he straightened it out. So now my playoff <laughs> record until I hit the senior tour and and Johnny Miller's event up in in Utah, the father and son, and those are the only two. Thank God I had Junior to help me, but we beat. We beat uh, <laughs> we beat Miller one time and Nicholas the other time. So I know that doesn't count on the individual, but I had to count it. So I didn't feel like I lost every <laughs> single playoff on the planet. <laughs> there you go. Well, we had fun talking to Ben Crenshaw about his 0-8 playoff record as well. We had some laughs over it. Yeah, well, it's it's not time it's not not time to laugh. I mean, it's kind of a you, you look at it and you go, how in the hell could I be that inept? But. Uh, a lot of it is the fact that you gear yourself up to go a certain number of holes, I guess. I don't know. Um, I, I really I really had no – there were certain ones that I thought I had won and I didn't. So at any rate, it's kind of a uh, uh, stickling point. I guess the other the other thing I'd like to, to mention is that 
The other time that I was with the Ryder Cup was an assistant daisinger, and which who I think has done the most phenomenal, and this should be somebody you guys could talk to, uh, interesting guy. Uh, we were very good friends. He stayed out here at our house. He moved out of his house when he was battling cancer, and we became very close friends. And for him to pick all the changes he made in the Ryder Cup is getting four captain's picks, um, all these different things that he could do and getting up to four assistants and thinking this pod system that he did uh, when he went up against Va- uh, Faldo at Valhalla. I mean, it was a no contest. I mean, this he, he did the best job and, and it's just, it's a, it's a template now for what we have faced in the Ryder Cup. And here we, it's going to be interesting. Stricker's the first one to be a captain that has not won a major, mm-hmm. but I, I can't think of a better leader. And we've, we've got this group of guys and the next couple coming up are good. They're going to be announcing if they will surely be, will be, will be uh, uh, Tiger and, and then Mickelson. Uh, Mickelson will be, should be getting Rome following it and then come back into Beth page. But, um, I, I, I can't, I can't, I, I have to really thank Azinger for picking me and that it being that age and being one of the assistants. In fact, Nicholas thought I was nuts because he said, you know, what do you and Raymond think you're bringing as two assistants out of the three assistants there at Valhalla? And I said, Jack, why don't you call me on Sunday night when we, when we bury him this week? Cause Azinger <laughs> doesn't have anything that's not, you know, not in, you know, turned in stone and stuff, but, uh, it it's it it's been a phenomenal thing, and I again I'm going to allude back to the time that uh, I've enjoyed the teaching and and the friendship, Bruce. Uh, I I've always enjoyed my fellow competitors, and it's been fun to 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 share in a lot of the memories with them, especially now and yeah. working with these guys in the putting and and all the other stuff. Uh, it's I, I know I made it easier for some of them, maybe not all of them. Uh, you know, Weisskopf on down the line. So it's it's been uh, it's been quite a ride. So as we wind down here, Dave, I'll ask you a couple of quick questions that we okay. asked all of our guests. Uh, the first would be this: If you had one career mulligan, where would you take it? Huh. Uh, I don't. I uh, yeah, I'd put lead tape on my putter at the Masters. In '74, and, and player could hit his friggin' three would bounce it over the bridge again, and it wouldn't have made any difference. Wouldn't have mattered, huh? So, yeah, that that, that would that was a real screw up on my part. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next one is: uh, If you knew when you turned professional what you know today, what do you think you would have done differently? Nothing. I've been the luckiest guy on the planet. Have had a great marriage. Got a great family. Uh, my hobby's hunting and fishing. Uh, at my age now, getting close to turning eighty, I'm, you know, I'm already planning for the next hunting season and all this stuff. Uh, I am playing more golf, but uh, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I worked for American Airlines and corporate outings for forty years. I mean, I've just and I've I'm alluded to President Ford and some of these other people that I would never have met in any other walk of life. Uh, I just, I, I'm, I'm just blessed. I mean, it's just been, uh, you know, from the, our friends that, that we met on tour, we've kept all this time, uh, to be a part of that. It's just, it, it's, it's a fraternity and I, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for anything. I wouldn't, I wouldn't need any more wins. I wouldn't need anything else. 
I just, and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. I lost my mom at 73 and my dad at 72. So here I am, Kathy and I'll be 80 before the year's out. And, uh, you know, I can go out and shoot my age without even thinking about it. So things couldn't get any better. Well, we want to say how much we appreciate you taking the time today, Dave. You know, it's been a pleasure having you on for good of the game with us, and uh, we wish you all the best for the rest of the years you will be around. Good, Bruce. Well, I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you very much. Great questions you guys had and stuff, uh, even though you put up with me not being challenged as far as the computer and all this other stuff. So it, uh, <laughs> uh, it's been fun for me, too. Good luck to you guys, and keep me in the loop if you ever have any more questions, okay? All right. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway, it went smack down the fairway. And it started to slice just a smidge off line It headed for two, but it bounced off nine My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay Yes, it went straight down the middle Quiet